Welcome to the latest episode of the Edgar Rice Burroughs mini podcast. These mini podcasts are meant to supplement the full length episodes that I host along with Jess Terrell and Scott Stewart, in which we usually talk in depth about a particular work of Edgar Rice Burroughs. Right now, we are using the mini podcast to go through the 1912 novel Tarzan of the Apes on a chapter by chapter basis, analyzing each chapter as we go. My name is Tim DeForest. I'm the author of several books about what I like to call pre-digital pop culture, things like old-time radio, pop magazine, pop, pulp magazines, um, newspaper comic strips, and the like. Um, and I keep a blog about those subjects at Comics, Old Time Radio, and other cool stuff. Now today, we'll be covering Chapter 9, titled Man and Man. Please note that we will be including spoilers of this chapter, of this novel as a whole, and sometimes with later novels in the future. And also, if it's been a while since you've read Tarzan of the Apes, I would recommend that you reread this chapter before listening to the podcast, uh, because we, I will be assuming that you're familiar with the events of the chapter as I talk about them. So, chapter nine, and gee whiz, Kala's death in this chapter and Tarzan's sorrow are absolutely heartbreaking. To quote directly from the novel, quote, Upon her he had lavished, unknown to himself, all the reverence and respect and love that a normal English boy feels for his own mother. He had never known another, and so Takala was given, though mutely, all that would have belonged to the fair and lovely Lady Alice had she lived, unquote. And now Kala is dead. At this moment, Tarzan literally has no source of love or compassion in his life. Burroughs evokes the depth of his loss quite effectively. All the same, we're also reminded that Tarzan is inured to seeing violent death, and that he's still an incredibly curious and intelligent man. Rather than taking immediate vengeance, he follows Kalanga and observes him, recognizing the bow and arrows from the picture books and deducing that the arrows are in some way able to kill even when they merely prick their targets. He doesn't know anything about poisons, but he's able to figure out quite a lot from watching Kalanga kill the boar. Now, the beginning of the chapter also reminded us of Tarzan's intelligence, telling us that by the time he was 18, he could read and write fluently, though Burroughs is careful to remind us that Tarzan can't speak English, which will be a plot point later. Burroughs continues to set up future plot points quite effectively, which is one of the many reasons the story flows so rapidly and so smoothly. Now, the killing of Kalanga is pretty brutal, and it reminds us that Tarzan is still very much a product of the jungle, though we do understand that he's avenging his mother's death. From this point on, he will consider the cannibal tribe to be his enemies, and he will be quite casual about tormenting them and eventually killing them, often to for, just for his own amusement. It won't be until the second book in the series that Tarzan will have an epiphany that leads him to realize that not all black men are automatically his enemies. It's something I'll talk about a little bit more when we get to a later chapter. Right now, Tarzan's behavior is based on his jungle upbringing and his limited experience with other human beings. Now, Burroughs' portrayal of the cannibal tribe is interesting. They are, they are moving into this part of the jungle to escape white men who had been enslaving and exploiting them. And Tarzan, is, or Burroughs rather, is definitely in sympathy with them for this. On the other hand, Burroughs has done no research into real-life African cultures, and the cannibals are often portrayed in a, in a stereotypical manner. I think that Burroughs made them cannibals and gave them a brutal culture of their own because he didn't want us to lose sympathy with Tarzan when he becomes their enemies. 
At the same time, Burroughs seems to recognize that Tarzan's often cruel jokes on the tribe is an aspect of his personality that exists because he didn't have a human parent teaching him right from wrong. Both Tarzan and the cannibals do things we acknowledge is wrong, but we can still maintain sympathy for both. Tarzan's cruel sense of humor will fade as he learns more about the world and a sense of right and wrong becomes stronger. He'll learn to judge people as individuals rather than by race. But for now, he is what he is. We like him, but we can see where he still needs to grow to become the hero he one day will be. The stealing Kalanga's bow and arrows again shows Tarzan's willingness to adapt and to learn to use tools. Now, one other thing that happens in this chapter is Burroughs mentions that Tarzan becomes a friend of Tantor the elephant. This really won't have any effect on the current book, but in the future, he will call on elephants to help him on a number of occasions. And wherever he is in Africa, whatever elephant is nearby, that elephant will respond. Now, Burroughs cheats a little here. It may be the one time where uh, his, his uh, um, uh, introduces a plot point without giving it any sort of justification, and it may be a minor, uh, minor criticism of the novel. But he obviously could not come up with a believable way in context of the story he's telling to have Tarzan befriend Tantor the elephant and an explanation for why that friendship seems to extend to every elephant in Africa. He just says it's mysterious, but it happened. Um, and in the ambiance of the book, it's probably acceptable. But uh, to be a strict interpretation of plot construction, you can legitimately call it a little bit of a plot hole. As I said, though, that friendship with elephants does not have an effect on this particular story. Burroughs was obviously thinking ahead to further books about Tarzan uh, when he was introducing stuff like that. Now, by the way, when Tarzan disdains the idea of cooking meat after seeing Kalanga do so and then eats meat raw as he prefers, Burroughs puts a nice counterpoint showing us the man Tarzan might have been as his parents had been has had his parents not been stranded in the jungle. To quote again directly from the chapter, quote, and then Lord Greystoke wiped his greasy fingers on his naked thighs and took up the trail of Kalanga, the son of Mabanga, the king. While in far off London, another Lord Greystoke, the younger brother of the real Lord Greystoke's father, sent back his chops to the club's chef because they were underdone. And when he finished his repast, he, he dipped his finger ends in a silver bowl of scented water and dried them on a, uh, upon a piece of snowy damask. Uh, it's just a very effective counterpoint of uh, the primordial Tarzan with his relatives back in civilization. Now, finally, let's look at Tarzan's actions after he kills Kalanga. He at first considers Kalanga's corpse a source of fresh meat, but then he found himself revolted by the thought of eating the flesh of another man, because he had now fully realized that he's a man and not an ape. For all that we see Tarzan's need for moral growth because he lacked moral instruction, we see here a case of hereditary instinct that keeps him from being a cannibal. As I mentioned back in our discussion of chapter one, Burroughs himself admitted that in real life, such instincts would not exist, and Tarzan would have eaten human flesh. But there's a line that Tarzan shouldn't cross, so Burroughs used the idea of hereditary instinct to keep Tarzan on the right side of that line. And as I mentioned in chapter one, I agree with that decision. The idea of Tarzan as a cannibal, even, as, even in his younger years, is not a pleasant thought. 
Burroughs was correct in finding a justification for avoiding it. Well, that's it for chapter nine. Uh, be, I'll be back with another mini podcast soon for chapter 10. Uh, in the meantime, also keep an ear out for our full-length our full length episodes uh, that I host with Jess and Scott. And in the meantime, you can visit my blog at Comics Old Time Radio and other cool stuff. You can find a link to my Amazon.com author page there. You're welcome to buy my books, Make Me Wealthy Beyond the Dreams of Avarice. Uh, but in the meantime, I thank you very much for listening.